So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, let's uh, start with Bill with verse 9 and then work around to verse 12. Okay. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. That you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. All right, thank you. So, um, first of all, yeah, um, someone had noted that there's a funny-looking writing there, um, and they were accurate. It is uh, Greek. Uh, Philadelphia, you've probably heard of that in another form, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It means the city of brotherly love, right? Yeah. Um, it's actually derived from the Greek. But I thought that might be kind of an interesting thing to... To, to mention uh, concerning brotherly love, and then Paul says, of course, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And certainly we can look at uh, various places, um, you know, in the scriptures, as, as noted here, um, with reference to brotherly love, for example, uh, keep your finger in First Thessalonians, if you would, and go to Mark chapter 12. Verse 31, and if I find it, just feel free to call it out or read it. The second is this, you shall love the neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. All right, so this this follows um, the question or a, a question by one of the scribes, which commandment is the most important? Um, Matthew, you know, has the account of an individual asking, which is the greatest commandment? You know, and Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Um, it's kind of paralleled here in verse 30, the answer to that one. Uh, he quotes from Deuteronomy 6. In verse 31, of course, then we have love your neighbor as yourself, which is actually which actually comes from Leviticus 19. And you will love your neighbor as yourself. So it was a commandment given in the Old Testament and spoken of here with reference to the two greatest commandments, which we often uh, basically given as a summary for, uh, you know, for what love is to be about. Love to God, which has to do with faith and his word. Love to neighbor, which has to do not only with words, but especially with action. Right? Caring for and, and loving, and uh, you know this provides opportunity, you know, to uh, to uh, contrast the love of God and the love that is genuine compared to or in distinction from the love that is not genuine. It's one thing uh, you, you've probably uh, heard of the phrase an enabler, for example. You know, so one who enables someone. Uh, to do something else. Um, we, we hear of that, um, you know, with reference to, for example, where there's domestic abuse, you know, for example, with uh, 
with the boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, you know, whatever the relationship might be where there's an abusive relationship going on and it might have been going on for years and years. And the man says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then the woman takes him back and then it kind of flares up again. She kicks him out, he comes back. Uh, you know, another, I, I remember hearing this uh, years ago, but with, uh, you know, with alcohol, for example, if you have, if there's an alcoholic in the family and he's supposed to, or she is supposed to go to work and one calls and said, oh, he's sick, he's not feeling well, and you keep covering for him, that's kind of enabling them to continue in that behavior, right? That's not love, okay? But we kind of have this idea that that's what love is. Love allows things to kind of keep going or, you know, even saying to oneself, well, things will change even if I don't do anything, right? Uh, but true love actually steps in and sometimes, I would say not only sometimes, but often has to say no. Not because of the lack of love, but because of love, right? So, um, you know, one of the examples that I've used in the past is, is very simply the, the child who wants to, you know, the, the three-year-old. Can three-year-olds reach the stove? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay, or four or five, whatever. Um, you know, or maybe they grab the stool and they want to look up to see what's cooking and then they put their hand, you know, it would be a loveless thing for the parent to say, or not to say anything, just say, yeah, uh, you know, just see the child touch the stovetop and see what happens. Um, that's not love. Um, rather, love would be the parent saying, don't do that, you know, and keep them from getting hurt. And that's, I, I think, I, I'm finding that uh, as your kids get older, you guys all know this, right? Um, as your kids get older, you, you, you don't want them to make the same mistakes that you've made. Yeah. Right? So you tell them things, and they'll say, nah. <laughs> you know, um, that, but you say that, and you kind of nag sometimes out of love. Right? It's, it's not because you don't love them, but because you've learned, and you want them to learn the easier way rather than the harder way. Of course, we also know from experience that some people, including ourselves, might learn better the harder way than the easier way, right? Um, very humbling, by the way. And, uh, you know, speaking of this as well, um, in terms of uh, love, love doesn't always feel good or feel like it's love from someone else. Um, go to Hebrews chapter 12 for an example of this. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, the, the chapter starts off um, really awesome. I mean, it's, 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 it's awesome throughout the, uh, throughout the chapter, but, but notice that the first, uh, the first section of chapter 12 references the great cloud of witnesses from chapter 11. And, you know, it says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, witnesses like Moses, like Abraham, um, like Enoch, uh, like Abel, and uh, I mentioned Abraham, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's noted a few times in there. Um, and then also uh, of some others like Gideon and David, Samuel, and the prophets. He makes reference to them, uh, but then, but then and, and then he uh, draws attention, of course, to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, verse 2. And then he calls us in verse 3 
to consider him endured from sinners such hostility against himself, that is Jesus, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. And then he's then he quotes from Proverbs chapter three, in verse five of Hebrews. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines those who he loves, or the one he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. He continues in verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. If he was not disciplining, then he would not be treating you as sons. Right? Um, and, and that's one of the hardest things, just... You know, when we when we talk about um, the parent-child relationship, for example, you know, he kind of gives an example here in verse nine. We have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more subject to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines for us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Um, I've, I, I've often heard uh, in, in various places the question, why me, O oh God? But very rarely have I heard, why not me, O oh God? I've also heard you know, some say, um, God doesn't love me because of this, this, and this. Very rarely have I heard, God must love me because of this, this, and this. There's a, there's a, a, a difference in perspective, right? A difference in view. Um, so often, and, and you know, this, this is not to negate sin, but it is to say uh, that, uh, that often God does what he does not because he doesn't like us. He permits what he permits. He allows what he allows, not because he hates us, but rather because he loves us and he would have us grow in the faith in him. You know, and that's a, that's a very different view, I think, than love, as it often is seen. Love today is defined or expressed how, generally speaking, in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whatever you, you, and that, that's the key, right? Um, so, so uh, you know, the, the, the words, and this is all over in the New Testament, and, and as well as in the Old in, in various ways, but 1 John 4 comes to mind, God is love. That's not a false statement. But we have a couple of things going on here. One is, who does God refer to, right, in that question? And I'm thinking kind of in, in, a, in a worldly kind of setting here, because I've heard people say God is love, but what they mean is, not what the Bible reveals, but rather God is love. He lets me do whatever I want, and he still loves me. As if what I do is okay with him. Now, how do we distinguish that, or how do we contrast that from true love of God? Does forgiveness of sins mean that God approves of our sin? No. No. He doesn't approve. He just stands back to see what what other stupid things we're going to do sometimes. Well, he, before he, he yeah before he gets involved. Yeah. 
Well, and, and, and that's, you know, that, that's a, a common idea that, yeah, he does stand back, but really, has he? future and in terms of this um, you know this time that we're in now but but for us as Christians you know we we, we um, cannot say for long that God stands back because we see Jesus Christ right and that's the demonstration that God does not just overlook sins and that's you know the the, the picture of many today I think is that if there is a God he's kind of like an old grandfather So, so then, what, what, which, what, what is driving the idea? What is driving the we might call theology, you know, of that? And and that's, you know, I, I recently heard. Maybe I mentioned this on Wednesday, um, but I, I recently heard, um, and I still don't remember the name, but but a mother whose son was was killed, you know, saying that I know my son is with me. I know that my son is watching over me, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, is there any promise in Scripture of those things? And the answer is, of course, no. Well, he know? may be looking over her, but he's not taking care of her. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so, yeah. And I, I think a, a lot of times people will say that because, well, and say that of themselves because they're, they're, they're wanting to grasp for, for some kind of comfort, you know, um, which is kind of a human a human, uh, it, it's naturally, or it's, it, it's by nature that we do that. We seek comfort. The, the, the distinction, however, is where true comfort is given. It's not found in what we deem to be true, but what God himself reveals to be true. Yeah. Sometimes a thought will cross my mind, this, I'm just speaking for me, Yeah. that but I know that that's not what I need to be doing. It's mm -hmm. it's like the spirit is telling me, uh, -uh don't do it. Right. And if you go ahead, and a lot of people, they don't have the spirit to, to tell them, don't do that. That is not what you need to be doing. And that's why we have all this stupid foolishness now, because mm -hmm. they're not paying any attention that because mm -hmm. God is still in charge, and Jesus is right. Should be right here mm -hmm. in front of our vision before we even look. We should see Christ's face. Mm -hmm. But they've been—they didn't pick it up when they were maybe taught it in Sunday school or something. They just don't. I don't know how we've got to this point. Yeah. Well, if if, if they were taught in Sunday school, you know, and I, I, that you know what I'm, you know, there, there's quite a few children, as we're well aware that that. Don't attend any any religious function, you know. And the the, the society, I, I think, the society seems to be coming 
be becoming more and more secularized in other words more separate from religious religion you know from from biblical doctrine from biblical teaching and so so you hear that in phrases like i'm spiritual but not religious have you heard that before yeah i forget who it was i this was a number of years ago but the one who played hermione granger you know, and, and uh, Harry Potter, uh, she was interviewed, I, I think, after doing the, um, or after um, after the movie Noah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and she stated that she's spiritual but not religious. Um, and I, I, I would commend to you this, this uh, interpretation of that, I can believe what I want to believe, or I'll believe what I want to believe contrary to anything else. You well, know? I wouldn't believe Noah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for that movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see why she would say that, but... Uh, <laughs> there, there's that. a lot of questions in that movie, and it's, it's you know, it might be loosely based mm -hmm. on the Bible, um, but they took a lot of liberties. Um, quite a few. And, 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 and see, that's the thing, too, because no. there, there are some... Um, there, there are some historical texts... Um, that were employed, I think, in that, you know, or at least views and, and so on and so forth. So, um, spoiler alert, there's like weird people or weird things in there. Um, and one of them has to do with, I, I guess they were called... Watchers? Well, the Nephilim, is that what they called them? The fallen ones? They were like the rock people. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And, and that's, um, from my understanding, of course, that's not Christianity. That's something different. Um, entirely, right? Um, so we, we have to be careful, but, but you know, a lot of what is seen in society today is seen as true, whether it is or not. You know, and, and really, one of the questions, I, I think, that we could ask of those in society, and, and you could talk about political authorities here, um, and, and especially in the church, you know, what is, you know, what is the foundation, what is the origin for what they're saying and why they're saying it? And what we'll find, I think, that it's, it's uh, not only secularized, but it's also very individualized. You know, so, so in this you'll hear in, a, in various phrases like, what's true for you is not true for me. Right? So if, if Jesus, if, if God calls something a sin and somebody says, well, that might be true for you, but it's not for me. Essentially, what they're saying is what God's word says does not apply to me determined by me, not by an external word, right? Um, so really, it becomes very subjective. And that's why, like, you know, there, there's so many, I, I think, uh, you know, in the religious realm, uh, specifically in Christianity, you know, there's such a variety because either you're going by the word or you're going by something else with the facade that one is following the word. And that's why it makes makes it very difficult um, sometimes to distinguish between what is right and true and what is not. Uh, because I, I don't know any false preachers that don't reference the Bible in some way, shape, or form. Do you? But the, the question is, what do they say about the Bible? What do they teach about the Bible? And do they teach what the Bible is actually saying? Now that, that gets a little more challenging then, because that means you have to know kind of what the Bible is talking about. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, so you know, when when thinking of brotherly love, what, you know, what about uh, like what about that phrase, you know, where Jesus says, "Do not judge, lest you be judged." You know, how often have have the Christian, uh, how often have Christians and, and and church bodies heard that time and time again? You should not judge. And so, what do we have today? Any number of quote Christian congregations really saying nothing about homosexuality, saying nothing about transgenderism, or if they are, saying completely the opposite of what Scripture says. I remember um, uh, Joel Austin, you probably know Oprah Winfrey, or you've heard the name. You might not know her personally, but um, you know of her. And I, I think one time her and, uh, oh, who was the, the other... Um, he has, the, he has his own program. I don't know if he's still alive. I guess he is. Um, he would have different guests and, and um, uh, Larry King. Yeah, he died. Oh, he did. Okay. Okay. But, but uh, I, think, I think one time he had Joel Austin on. And he was asking me about homosexuality um, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and others. And he would not give a clear answer, which is not surprising. Um, but he would say, well, homo, you know, like he was like his homosexuality sin, and his response was very evasive. He would say, well, homosexuals are, are people of God too, you know, kind of thing. And he wouldn't come out and say it's a sin, you know. But Paul is very clear in his writings, correct? Mm -hmm. In First Corinthians six, for example, he says that not only sodomites but liars, blasphemers, others will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, you know, by what God did in Christ. Big difference. Okay. Um, so what about that phrase, judge not lest you be judged? Have you heard that before? Yeah. You know, well, if, if you love me, you want to judge me. How do you respond? <clears throat> Is it too early in the morning still? No, that's it, a it's a tough question with a tough answer. It's like, how, how do you think the election in California is going to come out? What's his name? Caitlyn Jenner. Governor. Yeah. <laughs> Caitlyn. Caitlyn Jenner. We were discussing her last night how she's against gay marriage, but she's transgender. I think she looked a lot better when she was a guy than she does now. <laughs> I guess I haven't been following. For example, and, and just kind of bear with me. I, I think this could be. A, I, I think it's important, um, you know, to 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 recognize the truthfulness of a statement, uh, but also to, you know, I, I don't want to. I'll, I'll say it here, kind of pick it apart. 
but also demonstrate its weaknesses, right? So I, I've heard, you know, for example, speaking with Muslims, one of the arguments that Muslims will have against Christians is the Crusades. The Crusades. Crusades. Because, you know, I mean, on, on a number of fronts... Right. Right, right. But, but that's kind of a, I mean, that's a related, but it's also a, sub, a distinct mm -hmm. issue. Okay. You know, so if someone, is, if someone is speaking to a Muslim and, say, and they say, well, Christians did bad things during the Crusades, we would have to say, yeah. yes, in the name of Christ, many did bad things. But then actually then go back to, okay, what does the Bible teach? Because I, I think, and, and you know, this is not, not only applies to Muslims, but others, I, I think there's, there's often mischaracterizations, mischaracterizations, caricatures, is that the right term? Of Christians, of Christianity. And just because Christians do this or that, that does not mean that that's what Christianity is about. But how do we make that distinction? And that's, that's part of the challenge, too, because, you know... Um, you know, I, I, I know of, there, there's a title of a book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be, a, a, to be an Atheist. You know, um, some atheists will say you don't have to be Christian to be moral. Which, okay, then we want to, you know, ask them, okay, so how do you define morality? Where do you get that from? Yeah, or, who, um, or who defines it? At that or point? who defines it? Yeah, and and that's I, I think you know if we can if we can uh, in our discussions sometimes or not sometimes but but try to to center the conversation on that you know who and what um, you know that would be really helpful. So the the question for judge not that you not be judged. Look at Matthew seven, uh, chapter one to five or uh, chapter seven verses one through five. Because I, I think it's often taken out of context. I, I once heard um, a student um, who, who, you know, was uh, kind of in favor of homosexuality, and, and she used I think it was I think it was one of the proverbs, you know, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge the Lord and He will. No, that's not that one. Um, but uh, let's see. Let me think. She, uh, you know, she she used a phrase from scripture that that uh, you know there were, there were two parts to it, and one is basically, um, you know, going by what God said. I'm paraphrasing here, going by what God said, and He will give you the des yeah, that desire, will, He will give you the desires, desires of your, your heart. heart, right? And she emphasized the giving the desires of your heart without. You, applying also what came before. In other words, she was kind of nitpicking or cherry-picking, as you would say, you know, kind of picking out a passage that fit what she thought rather than seeing it in context. And there was some, another who did that, too, uh, when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Satan actually quoted from the Psalms. You know, um, throw yourself down here, for he has promised... You know, uh, um, he's promised you that uh, you would not dash your foot against a stone, right? Um, but if you go back and look at the psalm, you find that Satan did not use the entire context. He took it out of context. In Matthew 7, 
the text does say, judge not that you not be judged, or that you be not judged. And then as was mentioned before, Jesus continues, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You know, um, this, uh, this example you know, might help with this too, but it's not meant to uh, suggest that Christians ought to be silent, but uh, their life or their words should you know, somehow model what they say too, right? So I give this example, um, and I would imagine that somewhere out there, um, that this is true. So I, I, right now it's kind of hypothetical, but I think it's, I, I think it's a, a genuine, uh, a, a genuine event as well. So you have two workers at uh, at at the uh, at you know at working for the same employer. One is a homosexual, one is a heterosexual, but living with their girlfriend. And the one living with his girlfriend, openly so, says to the homosexual, you know, homosexuality is wrong. And the homosexual knows that he's living with his girlfriend. What kind of witness does that give? None. Well, actually, it does give a witness, but a poor one, yeah. right? It says it's, it's okay to do these things and yet say that it's wrong. You know, because the homosexual can come back and say what? In a case like that. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing the same thing, so it must not be that bad. You know, um, but, uh, you know, judge not that you be not judged. So if, you know, and Paul gets at this in, in uh, the, the earlier chapters of Romans, if for example, if saying, if you, being a Jew, um, you know, steal, doesn't that make you a thief? You know, a lawbreaker, you know, kind of thing. And so, so we want to be consistent, but, you know, so often in, in uh, discussion of love, um, you know, as mentioned earlier, I, I think it's, it's not love, the standard of love so much that is considered it's it's rather what I say or what one self says concerning what love is rather than what God himself says. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 10. And here we have another uh, another reference to uh, brotherly affection, brotherly love, you know, kind of thing. Uh, could someone read verse 10 please of Romans 12? Be kindly affected to one another, with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. All right, so, um, yeah, you know, and uh, Paul writes in Philippians, for example, I think it's Philippians chapter 2, you know, think of yourselves more than others, you know, um, and, uh, you know, as, as Christ did, placing himself actually not above, but as servant and giving himself even unto death. Love one another with brotherly affection, uh, doing one another in showing honor. Um, so often we, we determine and we show love to those who we deem to be deserving. But how does God demonstrate love? God demonstrates and gives love to those who are not deserving. Right? 
Remember John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Um, and from the cross, of course, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, think also of Stephen. Is that how you say that? Stephen or Stephen? I, I always get confused there. Um, it's kind of like the PH sound. But anyway, uh, the pho. Um But what does Stephen say? Do not hold this sin against them. As, he, as they're stoning him to death. And, and what do they see? They see his face as an angel. You know, he looks up into heaven and he says, I see the Son of Man standing, I think. Yeah, standing at the right hand of God. Yeah. You know, that did not sit well with them at all. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he loved them to the very end. And, and by the way, with reference to Stephen, remember, if you recall... Um, he, very similar to Peter, uh, Stephen says, you crucified Christ. And at that, they were very upset. You know, and, and in today's, uh, in, in today's uh, landscape, uh, you know, we might, we might say, well, maybe Stephen shouldn't have said that. It would have been safer. But if he did that, then he would not be, you know, he would not be serving God. He would be serving man. I mean, there's a, there's a distinction there. Um, so, you know, we might think of the prophets like Ezekiel. We studied him um, last year a little bit. And then there were others, too, like Jeremiah. God calls Jeremiah, and Jeremiah has this excuse, I can't speak, I'm only a youth, which sounds a lot like what Moses said in, in a way. Moses, remember, who was trained in, in all the arts of the Egyptians under Pharaoh in his household. Uh, Jeremiah kind of gave an excuse and, and, and God says to him, you know, go and I'll put in your mouth the very words to speak and so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, you know, don't be concerned about them. In Galatians uh, chapter 1, I think it is, that's where, that's where God says, or where, where Paul says, if I were a man pleaser, then I would not be serving God. If I sought to please men... Because you can't do both. It's kind of like what Jesus says in, in Matthew 6. You know, um, you can't serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or you will, you will hate the one and love the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Um, and that includes, of course, material possessions. The question is, in, you know, with reference to that and with reference to love, which is greater? You know, with reference to possessions, is are possessions your God or they are in service to you, right? The same way with love. Um, you know, so so we'll, we'll find places. For example, Jesus says, "Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me." Is he saying there, "Don't love your mom and dad"? No. What's he saying? He says, "Love me first. Love him first. Yeah, yeah. Love God above all things, right? You know, so so, and and you know, also remember when they uh, when they asked Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Wait, yeah, it's past tax day, right? Uh, unless you filed an extension. Um, but uh, but but think of that. You know, when they when they asked Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? What did Jesus say? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. Yeah. So interestingly, and Jesus often did that. I mean, he, he, he didn't seem to answer the question directly. 
But he did answer the question, right? He did directly, but it wasn't what they were wanting to hear. Right, yeah. So, I mean, and, and that's what I'm suggesting, you know, kind of in a nutshell with reference to how we define terms, how we use terms, how terms are used today, um, whether it be church, love, grace, God, um, judge, judgment, discipline, um, and, and the like. It's not how we define terms that matters. It's how God himself defines the term. You know, and, and that's where there's there's quite a bit of variation. So with reference to love, you know, love expresses itself. It doesn't only say, but it actually follows through, too. You know, and it's interesting, too, that, uh, um, you know, that taught of God um, on your handout, uh, next to verse 9, the thought did up toss. That's basically uh, taught by God, uh, the thaw from thaos. God, and then uh, Didak Tos from uh, Didache teaching. You have taught by God, and uh, maybe just to kind of sum up, let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 4. Uh, we'll start at verse 7, um, where John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, this is not talking just about any kind of secular love. I, I don't know of any, any married couple that gets married because they don't love one another in some way, shape, or form. Right Now, that, that, that love might mean different things, um, but for love to be love, it does not have to be of a Christian, right? And that's what I'm getting at. So, you know, we can't say, for example, that, well, non-Christians who have been married 60 years are not married because they're not Christian, right? Does that make sense? Because they, they, are, they are, you know, the, the institution of marriage was not only given to Christians, right? It was established by God, you know, for, for men and women, Um and and you know there there is uh, there are Christ there there are non Christians who express love too, you know now it might not be uh, always a godly kind of love but we can't say that Christians always express a godly kind of love either uh, because of sin. But notice uh, verse eight: anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So it, you know what interests me is is you know some will say God is love and then everything. Maybe I shouldn't say everything, but much of what they do after that does not express that at all. You know, um, you know, there's, uh, I don't know, dare I say, plenty of hypocrisy today going on. You know, we're all about unity. I, I, that's all I'll say. We're all about unity, and then you do everything that is not unit, that, that does not bring about unity whatsoever. It's all one-sided, right? Um, and, you know, so, so you can, one can speak about love all they want, but if they don't follow through, um, you know, with, with uh, expressing that in its genuine sense, then people are going to see right through it. Okay, notice uh, verse 9 and, and following, especially. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
And then John writes again, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another in the same way that God himself loved us. Right? Remember, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What do you think his people then do? They serve. Because Christ himself has served them uh, unto death uh, for their life, so also Christians uh, do the same. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is completed or perfected in us. All right, so... um, much more could be said about, about uh, verse 9. Uh, verse 10 in uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's go back to that. Uh, taught by God to love one another. That is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout the region or throughout the, the place of Macedonia. Um, and then he encourages them to do this more and more. In other words, don't give up. Continue. What about the uh, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you? Um, remember, there, there was a, I, I think we noted this a little bit earlier, um, did we not, that uh, there were those among the Thessalonians that weren't working, you know, that were kind of uh, busybodies and the like. And, um, and here, you know, Paul is kind of referencing that in terms of, you know, work with your own hands as we instructed you. And uh, I think one of the, one of the elements of uh, 1 Thessalonians, in terms of the, the, some of the factors affecting the people, um, some of the themes within, within Thessalonians was this, with this idea that Jesus Christ is coming quickly, so if he's coming quickly, then I don't have to do anything. Right, I mean, so that's that's one extreme, right? The other extreme is okay. We have to do all that we can, uh, you know, uh, you know, of ourselves, you know, to to get things ready. Um, so I, I've heard people say, well, we have to preach the gospel because uh, by preaching the gospel, Jesus is going to come sooner, um, as if, as if it's dependent on us. I mean, Jesus does say, right? That uh, you know that the gospel will be preached to all the world, and then, and then he will come. But that's not for you. That's not for the church. That's not us who decides when that is. Now, um, should the church be preaching the gospel? Of course. I mean, that's what that that's the lifeblood of the church. You know, because of Christ our Savior. Um, but we don't add to it. Okay, by doing this, then we're going to speed up God's return or Christ's return. No, um, I, I'll give an example of, of what Luther said concerning baptism. Um, you know, th- this, this uh, is, is, is quite striking, especially uh, if one comes from a different baptismal background, or I should say a different uh, ecclesiastical, a, a different church body background. But when it comes to baptism, we baptize infants, namely because God commands that we baptize infants. <coughs> We also recognize, of course, the promise that is attached to baptism, that God gives faith and creates and works faith through water and word, right, in holy baptism. Um, 
But but just having said that, we baptize infants because God commands that babies be baptized. You know, he says, go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preaches that sermon uh, that he does, and then he also concludes by saying, uh, you know, much like Stephen did after him, he says, you crucified Christ, you, you crucified Jesus, whom God made Lord and Christ, Instead of stoning Peter, they said, what must we do? Because they were cut to the core. What must we do? And, and, um, and there, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the promises to you and your children, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Be baptized for the remission of sins. You know, so, so especially right there, if anyone says, well, baptism doesn't do anything, just point them to... Uh, Acts chapter 2, um, where, where Peter says those things, um, repent and be baptized uh, because the promise is, you know, for the remission of sins, for the promises to you and your children, and, and there also is the Holy Spirit. So you get, in baptism, you get the forgiveness of sins, you receive the Holy Spirit, and if you have forgiveness of sins, again, quoting Luther, there is life and salvation, right? It's all packaged together. You know, in that, um, which is uh, which is really encouraging stuff. The uh, the live quietly and to mind your own affairs. You know, in in other words, not be busybodies. You know, um, you know, we, we we find examples of that in the New Testament, where you have one group that does nothing but learn new things. You know, uh, I would almost say gossip in a way. Um, you know, and and that's uh, that's kind of a big deal. Um, continuing today, I, I, I don't think that that has, uh, has ceased at all, but uh, live quietly and to mind your own affairs. Don't get it into other people's business. What about, um, you know, putting the best construction on everything, too? You know, um, and how I, I'll be the first to say that it's uh, impossible of ourselves to not say anything or to, to say sometimes much good of what's going on today, you know, and, and particularly the individuals, uh, politicians, uh, especially in the like. Um, but putting the best construction applies also to them, too. You know, and, uh, you know, it's trust and, and trusting ourselves to God's care and God's keeping. So notice, uh, to work with your own hands as we instructed you, uh, don't just sit around idle, uh, but serve the Lord in the capacity and the abilities that he has given you to do so. Uh, for for others and then also so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one um, it doesn't Paul does not mean here to be dependent on no one including God rather um, I don't know you know I, I'm kind of thinking of the welfare system as we have it today um, maybe you've heard reports about this uh, and, and you might know uh, more specifics uh, you know, from various resources. Uh, but I've heard of late within the last couple of weeks that some, uh, some businesses are beginning to open up, but they're having trouble finding workers. Mm. Why are they trying, why are they finding trouble? You know, they're having trouble in Florida. McDonald's franchises are having trouble in Florida. Uh, they're having to actually pay people to apply. And even that's not working. Because they're getting more in unemployment benefits than they would be getting for 
and and that's that's a real problem. You know, I I, I, I remember, you know, one one I, I know there were there was a restaurant owner, I think husband and wife that were they might have to close their business. I, I forget where it is. I'm guessing California, but. Um, What's that? It's a safe yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it could be elsewhere too, but they're they're having trouble finding workers simply, and and because of the, their customers are not the issue. Yeah. Um, they're getting business, but they don't have enough people. They, they don't have enough employees, you know, to 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 cover the business. Um, and you know, just just reading this, be dependent, be dependent on no one. I mean, that's. I, I think this was a couple years ago, a, a similar thing was going on where if you had unemployment, if you received unemployment, the unemployment benefits were better than if you worked. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, we, we can, I, I think humanly speaking, we can understand that incentive, that temptation not to work, right? Um, but but uh, God did not establish society, um, you know, that its citizens just kind of, you know, depend on on others, and and that's you know, with and that's kind of like a welfare system, um, in in a way. But but the other kind of welfare system too, where you have you have those who are receiving money from the government. Now, I, I want to say that I'm sure there are situations where maybe they can't work, you know, for various reasons and the like. But I know there's other situations where they can work but they choose not to because of the benefits that they receive. I mean, what, what is human nature, naturally so, I think, is somewhat lazy. Yeah. Not always. Um, and, and, you know, you, so that's one extreme. The other extreme is that you, you, find, you, you find others that are just busy, busy. They, they're busy bodies. They're just constantly busy. But I, I know in some cases you might ask the question, what are they running from? What are they trying to be busy for, right? Um, so I mean, there's 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 various extremes here, but uh, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one, um, and it's it's always a struggle for the church, um, you know, and, and for the Christians because I, I think especially in in these days, um, that there's the and I mentioned this before perhaps, but the temptation. For the church today is 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 to kind of shelter in place, in a way, you know, to kind of okay, you know, kind of have a dome and kind of be in hiding, you know, in a way, and not not say what needs to be said. But perhaps you know this is the time, uh, continually. So independent of of uh, you know reception or objection, you know, uh, because of what we say, but simply to say what God Himself has said. You know, as the church, um, as your people, um, saying things that maybe people don't want to hear, but but saying what needs to be said in in a loving and gentle way. But see, I, I've often struggled with that because you might say the you might say you, you say the right thing in the most loving and gentle way, and yet how do they how do some take it? It doesn't matter how you say it. You know, oh, stop judging me, right? You know. Um, but we're just saying what God Himself has said, right? Um, so we'll, we'll uh, I'm sure, discuss this more as we move on. Now, um, next next time we meet, we'll uh, we'll get to verse 13 and following, uh, which has to do with uh, very good things, with reference to the coming of the Lord. All right, let us pray.